Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. As you know, I'm Rick and Chris is in beautiful West Seattle. Well, today we want to talk about a topic that is interesting and again, kind of one of these weird things, carbon guitars. For, for those of you who don't know, Carbon Guitars was a guitar, well, basically a musical instrument company, uh, started in the 40s and went all the way through, well, actually the 2000s, right, until they split yeah. into Kiesel and then Carbon still exists. They have like mus- some musical gear, like PA gear and stuff like that. But, you know, when Chris and I were coming of age, Carbon was this weird mail order catalog company that offered pretty high quality stuff through mail order like guitars and and amps and basses and PA gear and all that stuff. It was affordable and they didn't sell through dealerships. So, you know, it was kind of like the Sears catalog, you know, you got this catalog, you, you ordered ship to you and boom, you, you got the carbon stuff, but yeah. And just, so they started out like so many other companies, you know, making pickups because electric guitars had just come on the scene and, so they were making pickups and then making steel guitars for country artists, like so many other musical companies did, and then started to build their own guitars and amps and things like that. And, you know, they kind of boasted like through body necks on their electric guitars, which, you know, is kind of cool. And the quality, like I said, was really high, but I think, I think they suffered from, you know, kind of being this weird thing, you know, in comparison to like Fender and Gibson that had, were just so entrenched already but what what was your experience with carbon when you were growing up like what was your how were they on your radar they were on my radar because i was an avid guitar player magazine reader in the late 70s and early 80s and they did a lot of advertising i think that helped them get their foot in the door so i would drool over the they would have like full page or half page advertisements with their guitars mm-hmm. i can remember and I can't recall the model name, but the all maple body double cutaway electric guitar. I used to drool over that. It just looked really, really nice. And it was a lot of like tiny attention put on little details. Like I, I recall it had like witch hat style knobs, but they had the little brass like bead for the, into the body for the um, right. pointer for the, the, the knob pointers and just a lot of little things like that. I noticed about them. I, you know, I was thinking about when you were talking about this topic, I can't say that since the 80s playing live, I've ever seen one on stage, at least not one of those, maybe a more modern one, but never one of those, N- nothing from that era ever. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen one come into a guitar shop I was working in, and I can't really think that I have. It would be something I would definitely love to check out, because like you said, they, um, they're, they're pretty high quality. And one of the things I liked about them that I have a, a, a huge appreciation for the early guitar, electric guitar days where it was like the tinkers, like Bigsby yeah. and, you know, even Leo Fender's earlier stuff. And it has that vibe in those. It's like, you know, this looks like it was kind of put together in someone's garage, you know, that kind of. And one thing I learned while doing my brief research, and I'm sure you know this too, is from like the sixties through the, you know, part of the eighties, they got necks and sometimes bodies from Hofner. So that's why I'll, if you look at them, like the inlays and the headstocks inlay and sometimes the shapes look and they're like, that looks like a sixties Hoffner. And that's exactly what it is. That's funny. So they, um, you know, slapped a lot of like Hoffner necks and sometimes even bodies onto those guitars. And if you, if you find a carbon like 
um, thin line from that era, you can really see the Hofner resemblance. Huh. I mean, it's just like this. There's a, a Hofner model that's almost the exact equivalent to that. So huh. I thought that was pretty cool and interesting. Did you know any other people in your circle of friends or, or scene that that had carbon gear at all? Never. I mean, I think you're the only person I've known yeah. that has because you had one, right? I did. I had a carbon, and and when I was growing up, I knew two guys that had, you know, they were fully outfitted in carbon stuff. They had the double cutaway maple guitar like you were drooling over. They both had that. One guy, I think, had a double neck too, actually. <laughs> a carbon. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember that yeah. one. And they both had the carbon. At the time, the 70s carbon half stacks were actually really cool. They were all tube. They had kind of a multi-band EQ, slider yeah. EQs on the thing. Yeah. And they were actually good sounding amps. I remember... Um, distinctly playing those guitars through the, their amps and stuff and thinking, oh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, those are the only two guys. And like you said, though, I never see carbon gear in music stores for sale, like used ever. Or So I, I, it's kind of interesting. It's like maybe the people who bought it kept it and never sold it or could be. Away, or I don't know. No, because it got pretty popular for a while. I bet you there's a lot of them out there. I have seen their amps. Their amps seem to come through more often than not. I think their amps were seen as like a really, a really um, cost-effective way to get like a Marshall. Yeah. Because they kind of were, were going for that vibe. Or even like in some of the combos of Mesa Boogie, they had that vibe going on. So, And that stuff was really well made too. I've never played through one, but they looked cool. I mean, it looked like you were getting a good amp for, you know, less than a, you know, a Fender or a Marshall. Yeah. And, and it made me think about um, our episode when we talked about Japanese guitars and how they were essentially a gateway to, you know, a Gibson or a Fender. Right. And I think I kind of see, I don't think carbon falls completely into that category, but I think it, there's some, some analogous points to be made about that. I think, you know what I mean? I think, you know, because you could get that carbon gear for cheaper, essentially overall, I think, than if you bought a Marshall and a, a Gibson or a Fender. So I, that's kind of the way I saw that gear at the time, too. And it, But it was just a curiosity to me, because like you, I would see these ads in Guitar Player or or just see, you know, the random ad and go, God, that it does look like a kind of a sexy guitar. It's all maple. It's it looks well made. You know, the pickups had like a hundred pole pieces, like <laughs> yeah, it was cheaper string. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And so it was like, you could tell they were earnest about like, Hey, we want to make, you know, some good quality gear. And like you said too, I think what I have seen the most in music stores is amplifiers and PA gear essentially yeah. used for sale or something like that. But what do you think about that? Do you, do you kind of, did you kind of see carbon as a gateway or just kind of something on its own? Kind of I kind of saw more of something on its own because it seemed like by the time you raised the amount of cash that you could get for the carbon, you weren't super far away. I remember they listed the prices in the ads and it wasn't super. I mean, it's maybe like, you know, maybe a few hundred dollars more. You could get like, you know, a Gibson or, you know, a Fender. I don't recall exactly. I don't think it was a, as much of a gateway as PV stuff was. PV was the like the real gateway. That's where you started. And, and as far as like Carvin, who were really big in PA gear and recording gear, I think their stuff was like, you know, if you got that, that's what you could use, you know, and even in PV and you know, a lot of their stuff was like, we'll get this little powered mixer and 
we'll you know upgrade later. But the carbon stuff seemed to me to be good enough to just use. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think with Frank Zappa, his home studio was completely outfitted with carbon. You know. Oh my gosh. Carbon consoles and amps and things like that. So, I mean, it was good quality stuff. I don't know who who the. I mean, I don't know if that was all made in house or if they had like another amp division made by somebody else or I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was all made in house, and they had so, they had a couple different factories. Like they moved for they. I think they ended up in Escondido, California, but they were in some other parts of California and then moved back. Yeah, I think I went. <laughs> Like I told you, I, 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 when I finally got the bug enough to buy a guitar, I bought, at the time they had these semi hollow body guitars, similar to ES guitars, Gibson ES guitars. And I bought one of those and I bought a half stack amp in the eighties and I flew down we were on vacation. And so I said, Oh, I want to go to the factory while I'm down there. So I went down there and it was kind of cool. They have a big showroom with all their gear, you can play it. And then, yeah. So I ordered that guitar um, custom ordered. Right. I, I had, some right. yeah. And I got it. And it was actually cool. The guitar, I wish I still had actually, it was a really cool guitar, but the amp was you know, kind of funky. I think at that time in the eighties, they had kind of gone a, a little off the mark in terms of their amp quality and, and stuff. But, but yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, that was my foray into the carbon mythology. And, and I, I did enjoy that guitar. I wish I still had it, but the, the amp didn't really do it for me, but what year was that? Oh my gosh. I'd say that was mid eighties, like 85, probably something like that. I'm not sure if that would, you should look at the, um, the late seventies, early eighties version of their semi hollow thin lines, because that, those are definitely the Hoffner parts, yeah. you know, body and neck, it appears. What was the process for getting a tire? So you go into the, the showroom and you kind of play some of them and then you say, okay, I like this style. So let's order me one up one. How does that work? You could do that. Yeah. So you could do that. But what I did is I went and I played a bunch of guitars and then I played those uh, semi hollow bodies and I dug it. And then I just went home, you know, and then I went online or however, I, or no, I didn't go online. <laughs> it was, there was no line. So what I did is I, I think I had a catalog and I think I, I, I called or anyway. Yeah. Cause I didn't, I don't think I ordered it there in the factory. I, I went home and then, called them or something and said, yeah, this is what I want. I want this SH-225 or whatever the hell it was. And then I want it black and I want this. And I got a, a whammy tram on it, which I kind of, <laughs> remember, but it, was, it was like a Wilkerson, right? Or something and a locking yeah, right. that, shit like that. But um, yeah, so I think that was the process, but I think you're right. I think you could go to the factory and go, okay, I played all these guitars. Let me talk to Jim or whoever. Yeah. And then, well, yeah, could, up with- exactly. And then set it up and go, but, but I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, but it was it was cool. It was it was an interesting, weird excursion into that world. Um, and did yeah. you just have the one, or did you have have, have you had more? No, that's the only one. That's the only carbon gear I've had. Is is that? But it's funny because that you mentioned the double cut is like sometimes I like I would see them on eBay maybe sometimes randomly, but very rarely. And I'd I'd, I'd kind of toy with like going, you know, maybe I should buy one of those. It'd be kind of cool to have. <laughs> and then you know. Yeah. If you got tired of it, get rid of it or something. But right when I was poking around, I saw a really nice looking. Um, it was a single cut kind of Les Paul style guitar. That um, it was a it was a bolt on neck. I know they made neck through and set neck. It was a bolt on neck, but it was like four or five hundred dollars, which seems like a really good deal for you know something like that. So I bet yeah, you could. I don't know how they're retaining their value. 
Do you know if they reissued? I mean, the company sometime in the 2000s, as you mentioned, they were taken over by, I think it's Kiesel. Yeah. Who is like the sons of the guy who started that. Yeah. And do you know if they've reissued any of those like 70s, 80s models? You know, I, I, don't, how they do. I don't know if they did to be, I don't think they did, but I don't know for sure. But that would be cool. I think that would have been, well, who knows? I don't know. Because in yeah. the 80s, they came up with all those silly body styles, like the, the V slash Explorer. Star Shaper. And all that crap that that, that Jefferson Starship dude was playing all carbon right. weirdness. Or at least he was showing up in ads with exactly. all carbon. Exactly. <laughs> you probably had a Strat and a Les Paul. That yeah, played. yeah. Yeah. So the, I think Carbon's heyday was when the pointy guitar era came in and, and, a lot there were several, a lot of bands were playing like I, the Bengals were playing car, some carbon stuff and really? yeah and some high level like Oingo Boingo's guitar player was playing carbon stuff and and even I think some harder rock guys were playing carbon guitars and ba- I saw more basses I think than anything else a lot of bass yeah. players really loved the basses and so yeah I they were off my radar by the time the the pointy headstock like super strat era I had already had like Gibsons and Fenders by then so I wasn't really looking for I mean, I, when I when someone mentions Carbon, I think of the ads from these late seventies to early eighties guitar player magazines and the models that they featured in those. Yeah, those are, I mean, that that's like speaking to my sense of nostalgia. If someone reissued one of those, that would be good. But at that point, you might as well just go find an original. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You get the real thing. If you're nostalgic, you might as well be nostalgic all the way. And yeah, stay. and and. They're great guitars. I mean, if you get one of the through neck, through body neck, or yeah, through body neck guitars, um, the maple ones, like you're talking about, the double cut, and they had a single cut version too. They're yeah. great freaking guitars. Like they're amazing. Like, and it would be cool to to see one now and play it. You know, to see how they age and how, yeah, it would be cool. I somehow I need to get a hold of one of those dudes that I knew way back then and see if they still have their gear. I bet I, I know one of them probably does at least have that stuff, but and you just know there's a there's a like a carbon appreciation forum somewhere oh, where everybody's no. like on there talking about how much they blow away Gibson and Fender and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Like, kind of like GNL has a pretty rabid following of you know yeah. opinionated people. Totally. Um and I kind of think of them as kind of like that. I mean, especially the early GNL guitars. Those looked like they were made in somebody's basement. And, you know, a lot of those carvings with the bolt necks remind me of those guitars. And I like those music. I'm like, they were actually music man. And very early on in GNL's, you know, development, they were kind of had the same kind of crude, like handmade quality to them. Those are ones I really like. Like when it comes to GNL's, I have the same problem with GNL's as I do with like the modern standard Fender stuff. It's like, they, they're too refined. I mean, I like that they're, I like that they have a big arched radius. I like that, you know, it's just like this kind of like funky bridge from the fifties and all this other stuff. I like that about it. I mean, yeah. flatten the radius and make a better, you know, you know, modern bridge. And it just, to me, it just takes away from what I really appreciate about the instrument. And so GNL kind of went that route. I mean, I think for me anyway, yeah, but I don't know if Carbon did. I mean, I haven't looked. I did a really quick peruse of the Kiesel site, and uh-huh. that looks just like all like oh, kind of metally like PRS yeah. influenced guitars, and it's like none of it looks appealing to me at all. They look like I don't know if they are. I, I think they're still made in the USA, but they look just like farmed out, you know, Chinese like knockoffs of PRS. And stuff. Yeah, 
I don't I know there's yeah. somebody that would kill me if they heard me say that because they're probably <laughs> still nice guitars, but just like a quick look and you're like, yeah, no. Yeah. And I got the same vibe too. When I checked out Kiesel guitars is it looks like their target audience is like metal or hard rock people. And then, um, yeah, the same. I, I, I feel I, th- they kind of sit that way with me too, in terms of the early carbon stuff. I kind of would, it's a good correlation to make that music man correlation and then how GNL kind of shifted into that other realm. But yeah, I, I think it's weird when like Kiesel, for instance, yeah, a, a lot of their body styles are, are, it seems like just a straight ripoff of the PRS guitars with the, you know, quadruple maple top and, and the double cutaway and all that weird crap. It's like, you know, yeah, I, I'd love, love to see him just reissue some of the cool old guitars from the 70s that are just straight up like great guitars, like the double cut and the single cut maple body, the maple guitars. But but yeah, the Carvin stuff. It, yeah, I, I kind of like that correlation you made between that and the, the early Music Man stuff. For people who don't know about it, just go down that rabbit hole. If, if you're a guitar geek and you, you want to find out about an, an American company that made pretty quality stuff for, for a long time in America, you know, in the USA. And I think the way they were able to do it is the, is the mail order aspect of it. You right. Know what I mean? Cause they didn't have to go through a dealership and, and pass cost on to, you know, so they could, you could buy it directly from them and, and you save a, a few bucks doing it that way. But I just never had that kind of patience to, I mean, <laughs> you go somewhere and get something and bring it home, uh, bring it up, give me the, get the case. Yeah. I mean, I, now I order stuff online, but as a kid, like with a guitar, cause back then you, was that your only guitar? Or did you have another one? Uh, I think I had another one. Yeah, I had a couple, actually. I had a, yeah, that was, yeah. When you see, that would be easy for me. I, as a kid, the only way I could own a guitar is, it was one at a time. It's like, if I want another guitar, I have to get rid of this guitar right. so I can get another guitar. Right. And I wouldn't have been able to do that with a male or a guitar because I would have been guitarless. While <laughs> for I several them. months, yeah. And I was never even, I mean, I would look at those guitars and kind of drool, but it's like, there's no danger of me ordering one of these. Yeah. Well, and again, the thing that kind of I find interesting, and it's uh, like you said, it's just, it's a subjective thing, but like they started out with kind of these, you know, decent body styles that, that, that were kind of cool. And then just went off the rails on these crazy body styles that are just, in, in my opinion, ugly and just bizarre you know it reminds me of the firebird x that Gibson, that ding dong at gibson made that i think is an abomination but yeah it's like it would have been interesting to me if they would have just like kind of elaborated on their initial set of models you know in a different way you know it'd be it's kind of cool to think about if they had gone a different direction with with that and what how that would have worked out but well, they, they weren't alone. Guild had some really freaky models in that era, too. They had a star-shaped one. And they had one shaped like a, a crescent moon kind of thing. <laughs> so everybody kind of lost their, their mind, or at least were, like, feeling the waters of really weird shapes. I mean, yeah. you know, guitar had been around for a while, and they're, like, probably thinking, you know, you know, it's a little getting a little bit boring. Let's try this. And, you know, guitar players are pretty conservative, I think, in their taste. A lot of them are, anyways. But now... No, if you had one of those star-shaped carbons from that era, I bet you would, you'd get quite a bit of dough for it just because, you know, it's so weird and it's of its era right. and, you know, it's quality. So there's there's a person out there looking for those and that would, is going to pay dearly for it, I think. That's true. That's true. And yeah, and and it's just my subjective opinion. And there are 
people out there who love those kinds of guitars and those those shapes. But like you said, it's like I'm, you know, if you look at it though, like so many guitar makers try to just basically emulate the 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 basic guitar shapes that became kind of the standard, right? Whether it's a Les Paul right. double cut shape, or if it's a, an SG double cut shape, or if it's a, a Telecaster or a Strat. And there are variations on those, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's where I come from. But I, I just think it would have been interesting if they'd taken a different path in terms of, okay, we're going to kind of take a more conservative approach to our models. And, you know, like we talk about Gibson too, like that dude, I forget the guy's name, but the, the, the dude that was the president that just ran him into the ground and was. Jerkowitz or something like that. Yes. Yes. But, you know, he created all these weird models and they discontinued the standard Les Paul for a while. And it was just weird. It's like, you know, you've got pillar models that people have come to know and love. And, and I, I, I do understand the, the thing where you could kind of maybe feel the need to innovate and kind of change and, and explore and breach out for things. But anyway, it would have been interesting to see what Carvin would have done in a different, on a different path, I guess. Yeah. They, I mean, they're cool. And I, hopefully they got their rightful place in the history of the electric guitar. I mean, I didn't have any problem finding out you know, their Wikipedia page is kind of small, but you yeah. know, they're still kicking the family's still making guitars. So yeah. And I, like you said, I think it is cool that they, I think they do have a place in, in uh, a pretty prominent place actually, because I think they did become pretty uh, prevalent in, in music. I mean, like Al, Alan Holdsworth had a signature model and these other like guitar God people had their own signature model carbons and it was getting, they were bubbling up pretty high, I think in the, in the, um, in the music industry with players. So yeah. It is kind of cool that if they could have just gotten a Sid Vicious, day, <laughs> they, would have, they would have catered to the other crowd too. And they would have been rocking today. I know that's another interesting point. I never see punk rockers playing carbon stuff, man. <laughs> Mostly prog rockers. That, that's what I right. saw or, or, or hard rockers or, Oh, that's funny. So it's not the, the mail or thing. It doesn't really make it like a, an elite sounding but it does set it apart from you know from your you know mainstream off the rack guitars but i the biggest thing like i mentioned the biggest thing i liked about them is they looked fairly crude but at the same time you could tell that you know there was a lot of hand there was a lot of handmade stuff going on yeah a handmade element to them and you know the, the attention to detail was really great so but i was really found charming that that whole my uncle billy bang this out in his garage kind of vibe that they had. Yeah. I think that's what appealed to me too, is that tinker um, garage thing. And yeah, I never, yeah, I didn't get the sense that since it was mail order, that was this elite thing, but it was just mysterious to me. Right. Cause I, cause I kept seeing it the same way you did in ads and stuff. And they, you know, they'd have really nice photography and, and, and stuff. And I was like, what is that? What is it? What is up with that carbon stuff, man? And, yeah, and then it started. I started to see, like I said, a couple of my buddies had it, and but um, yeah, it, it's people. You, you got to check it out and do a little research on that company. And they're still kicking. There's still people playing those those basses and guitars and all of that stuff. Yeah, but now there are two companies: Kiesel. We think it's Kiesel or Kaisel, and then Carbon. And Carbon, little trivia, was the was a was a mish, mashup of Kiesel's two sons. Carl and something, Gavin. Yeah. Something. <laughs> Carl and Vinny. 
Vinny. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think we've exhausted the carbon thing for now. But um, that was a nice little romp down memory lane. Yeah, I love it. I love to talk about this weird gear that that maybe some people don't even know about. So hopefully we've inspired somebody to go down that rabbit hole and join that forum. Now you got me curious too. There's got to be, I'm going to look online today and see if there's a forum, but there's got to be, and then join that. Carbon trolls and bullies. (laughs) Exactly. I'll immediately get, um, you know, pounced on by some carbon troll that I, I, I miss, I misconveyed the the model number of my semi hollow body. Right. (laughs) So yours was black. Yeah. yeah, mine was black. It was a cool guitar, man. Huh? Find one. I should. I will. Yeah, I will. I should. I should see if there's there's one that close to the one I had. But I just want want to know what which model you had and see what they're going for now. I mean, I'll check check it out. I'll send you a link. Yeah, I'll check some. I'll check it out online and send you links. All right, cool. That would be fun to check out. Well, cool. Well, as always, everybody, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or, or Apple Podcasts, and all your favorite podcast places where you consume podcasts. You got any parting parting wisdom for our listeners, Chris? Not really, just play guitar, which is something I have to do this week. Yeah. I haven't Get those damn things out of the case, man, and play them. All right. Until next time, bye. Bye.